T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. From Business Insider, it is Buffalo's own Dave Leventhal. Dave, good morning. Mr. Beamer, good morning to you. Dave, let me ask you, you know, what everyone's going through in Buffalo right now is a bye week. How do you spend your bye week? I mean, I, I, inexplicably, I mean, it's like, wait, there's no there's no Bills game this Sunday. There, there's no Monday night game. So you know, we're, we're actually in uh, Philadelphia this weekend uh, celebrating a, uh, a wedding of friends. So I, I guess everyone's going to have to find their thing. I mean, may, maybe uh, church service attendance went up this weekend uh, for a lot of people in Buffalo. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know. You tell me. Ah, Philadelphia. So you're not at the NLCS. You're at a wedding. I am not, but I have seen a whole lot of people, and we're not uh, too far away from uh, from the stadium. Lots of banner planes flying around, and uh, people with uh, with big P's on their hats and and shirts and whatnot, uh, in, in a fairly festive mood. Yeah, that one uh, that one hurts not seeing the Mets in there. But you know, at least the bye week fell two weeks ago with midterms. You know, I, I know this is a, a a festive time of year in Washington, <laughs> D.C. And, you know, you see these generic polls, Dave. Uh, they come out, it seems, every week. You see um, leaning one way, leaning the other way. Well, as it stands right now, um, America, the pulse on America, where does that generic congressional ballot lean? Does it lean to the Republicans or to the Democrats? Yeah. And, and I would first say festive in all the wrong ways in Washington, D.C. It's not a very happy place to be uh, these times. But, you know, the generic polls definitely are trending the way of Republicans right now. So if we were having this conversation three weeks or three weeks ago or certainly three months ago, we'd be having a little bit of a different conversation. But uh, because of uh, several factors, the economy and inflation specifically being chief among them, uh, things are really trending in the way when you look at the national scope. They're trending red. Okay, so so that's one thing. But here's a big caveat. This is not a national election and generic polls are just that they're generic in each House race, each Senate race. They have to be run and have to be run with their own set of peculiarities and particulars. So what might be happening in, say, a U.S. House race in a competitive district in California could be wildly different than the situation on the ground and the U.S. Senate race in here in Pennsylvania, where uh, John Fetterman and uh, Mehmet Oz are, are in an incredibly close race where the polls have been back and forth and back and forth. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the, the big X factor here in midterm races, that as much as those generic polls may trend one way or trend another, that isn't necessarily going to indicate what the ultimate result of the election is going to be for nationwide implications, the chief of, uh, of which is going to be who's going to control the Senate, who's going to control 
the House. But if you're a Republican or you support Republicans, you're probably feeling better today than than you were a little while ago. You know, looking at that polling, and I asked this uh, this question of um, Professor Nyheisel from UB, and I'd wonder what what your how you read these polls. You know, obviously over the summer, uh, the abortion ruling from Supreme Court um, got a lot of attention, and you know, a lot of Democrat candidates use that to their advantage. Do, right. Does it look like the economy for Republicans is outplaying? that summer advantage that it seemed Democrats had? Yes. And uh, you, you can, I think, put economy and, and with very closely tied to crime as well. You know, voters have to consider lots of things and voters do consider lots of things. And there are certain issues like the economy, like economic factors, so that when it finally gets to crunch time, that they're going to consider their own personal situation or that of their community. And, and that plays into this idea that, each race is is localized and they're going to look at the candidates and they're going to judge the candidates, especially those who might be independents uh, or those who are willing to go back and forth between the two parties, which is not a, a majority of people. But that's the you know, those are the voters who ultimately really matter, especially in these close races. And they're going to have to consider, all right, are, are things going in the right direction here? Do, do I think that the Democrats are doing just fine or you know, do I want to look to see if the grass is greener on the other side? And, and, and would Republicans be better or would we be better served by having Republicans in power for two years in Congress? And if nothing else, serve as a check on Joe Biden's agenda for the second half of his first term. So these are some of the considerations uh, at play. And sure, social issues factor in for a lot of voters. But, you know, frankly, uh, voters who are going to vote Republican all the time, voters who are going to vote Democratic all the time, they've made up their minds. It's uh, right now very much a race for those independents, uh, for those who lean one way or another, but keep their minds open. And, yeah, when uh, some of these races are going to be decided by decided by two or three or four percentage points, that's where the the real action is happening, Joe. And uh, that, that's, uh, you know, kind of what the. Uh, is undecided in a lot of these races now and what the candidates themselves are going after. You, you talked about the Fetterman-Oz race uh, from right where you are there in Pennsylvania. Uh, that one seems to be going back and forth right now. It's tied, and as you said, yeah. it's it's a, at a state level because the governor's race in Pennsylvania, also really close. Uh, but on that Senate race, Fetterman and Oz, they are heading into a debate this week Um what are we looking for? What are you thinking uh, is going to come out of that debate between Oz and Fetterman? Yeah, well, you know, not to put too sharp a point on it, but listen to and John Fetterman had a stroke back in May and he's uh, recovered from it quite well by all indications outwardly. And if you take what his doctors have said publicly uh, at face value, but as we've seen in some interviews as of late, he's still having some difficulties and this is definitely affecting the uh, the complexity of this race uh, and the complexion of this race. Uh, specifically, he's having difficulty when he is listening to other people speak and uh, being able to process what others are saying. But he's been using uh, basically um, closed captions, for lack of a better way of describing it, to understand what's being said so that he can respond to it. That seems to be a perfectly effective way for him to do it. But it, when it comes to a debate, a live debate, 
it's going to be pretty novel because uh, I can't think of any analog out there or any comparison that that uh, really is similar to what we're going to expect in this debate. So whether that uh, cuts in his favor, whether that cuts in Dr. Oz's favor, we don't know. And we're going to have to we're going to have to do the debate. But uh, it's definitely, you know, created a very strange situation, at least just from a political standpoint. And his raised questions as to whether John Fetterman is medically fit to serve. Again, all indications are that he is medically fit to serve and that he's struggling with this one particular issue. But voters are going to have to decide that for themselves. And if you do have five percentage points, 10 percentage points worth of voters who are shaken by this or who don't necessarily trust that he's up to the task, well, that, that could be a determining factor, whether that's fair or whether that's not. And, you know, going back to that generic picture we talked about with Congress, uh, with Senate, you know, that is a little more difficult for Republicans to take over, correct? Yeah, I mean, it looks that way at this point. Let's remember that the Senate is 50-50, okay? There are 50 Democrats or independents who caucus with the Democrats, and there are 50 Republicans. Kamala Harris, because she is the vice president of the United States, gives Democrats that tiebreaker vote and the majority So really, it can come down to any one or two or three races across the country. We're talking about Pennsylvania here, but the Ohio race, for example, very, very tight. Even the Florida race between Val Demings and Marco Rubio, pretty tight. The Arizona Senate race between Mark Kelly, uh, with Mark Kelly being the senator there, and Blake Masters running against him, the Republican, that's a tight race. So we definitely have several on the board. You can wrap in the Nevada race, too, that, that are going to be very key. And uh, it's just going to come down to strict numbers. But the generic ballot, or rather the generic polls, doesn't necessarily indicate what's going to happen in each of those races. Entirely possible that it's going to be a complete mixed bag, that Democrats are going to win some of them, Republicans are going to win others, and it could just come down literally to one race that tips the balance of power in the U.S. Senate for the next two years as a result. And another thing, Dave, uh, and we've heard about heard about this a lot in New York State, is the, the issue with turnout. And, you know, the turnout for midterms is nothing like the turnout for 2020. So the push for turnout, I'm sure, is a concern for many candidates, especially in these races that are a dead heat. Oh, it's a huge concern. I mean, it, for many, it is the concern. And, and let's remember, too, what polls are. OK, polls are a snapshot in time. They tell you what is happening right now or what was happening a few days before a poll gets released because you actually have to do the poll. But they are not great predictors of the ultimate outcome. And hey, just go back to 2020 and 2016 to know that the, the polls even very close to an election, they can change. They can shift. Voters can make different decisions. And here's the key thing. Turnout can be very different than what people are kind of just saying philosophically when they answer a poll. Just because somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for the Democrat or I'm going to vote for the Republican doesn't necessarily mean that they are actually going to physically go and vote. And if they don't, then that has an effect on the ultimate outcome of the election. So, Voter turnout is absolutely key. The the proverbial get out to vote efforts uh, from Democrats and Republicans are in full swing. And, yeah, we're talking about Election Day two weeks away. But in many jurisdictions around the country, Joe, early voting has started. People can mail their votes in absentee voting. 
and in other jurisdictions that's going to be coming upon us either this week or, or immediately uh, coming next weekend. So the, the voting has begun and the election is already here. And, the, you know, the candidates, it becomes ever more important for them to be able to make their final cases to voters in the here and now because those two, three, four, five percentage points, well, you know, there might be two, three, four, five percent of the vote already in as we speak right now. And that's uh, very key for these candidates. You know, another thing, Dave, that we talked about over the summer but haven't really talked about or I haven't heard in the last few weeks, and that's confusion. There are still people in this country right now who don't know what they're voting for in Congress because of redistricting throughout the country. Yeah, and definitely a factor in in some certain states more than others. I mean, New York State is a perfect example of where the map has been redrawn, the courts got involved, district lines have shifted. I mean, there's always going to be some level of confusion during a once-every-10-year redistricting period, but there's been a lot of confusion in a lot of states and, you know, that, that's not even counting like the special election situations in some states too. Alaska being a a wild example of where there were literally or will literally be four different votes taken for one U.S. House seat over the span of about six months. So, yeah, rank confusion in, in certain areas. But if people are not paying attention, if you haven't figured out, uh, well, hey, is, is my House district shifted? Are, are the candidates still the same? Now is the time to educate yourself, and there's lots of great resources that are available, uh, either journalistically or through government resources. The candidates, most of them, uh, have had information put up on their website as well, and uh, it, it pays to know what you're actually going to be doing once you get into the uh, once you get into the voting booth. Because if you don't, well, you know, being an uninformed voter is uh, not as good as being an informed voter. I think by any objective measure. And you mentioned Florida. You mentioned the Marco Rubio Val Demings race, but there's obviously also the governor's race. Uh, Ron DeSantis running against former Republican and former governor uh, Charlie Crist. D- now, I've been following this a little bit. Does this seem like it's a practice run for a presidential run for Ron DeSantis? Yes, it does. And the, you know, the, the big question here seems like Ron DeSantis. It, it's not a foregone conclusion, but all indications are that he is very much in the driver's seat. And that it would be a massive upset if Charlie Chris, the Democrat running against him, somehow pulled off uh, a victory in this race. So let's say Ron DeSantis wins. Well, immediately the discussion is going to go to what is he going to do in 2024? And I think most people at this point down in Florida who have been watching this very closely see him as Donald Trump's biggest threat if he chooses to run for president. And that's a massive if. And that decision is probably not going to be one that is his in large part. It's going to be Donald Trump's. And whether Donald Trump decides that he is going to run for president, which he has been flirting with openly pretty much ever since he uh, ever since 2021 in January of 2021, when he was uh, leaving the White House and certainly on the campaign trail, if you can call it that, as Donald Trump conducts his rallies and goes around the country uh, in, in just as recently as uh, you know, late last week is, is just basically running a presidential campaign without coming straight out and saying, I am running for president because there would be legal implications and campaign finance implications. So it's sort of this weird kabuki political dance that he's been doing for the past year. But as it applies to Ron DeSantis, DeSantis, if Trump runs, is going to have to ch- choose and make a huge, huge and very politically risky choice. 
do I go after Donald Trump? Do I try to out-Trump Donald Trump himself? Do I see him as a weakened candidate? Do I see him as somebody who's going to be hamstrung by all the various legal problems that he has? And I will have an opportunity, Ron DeSantis, to go and, and beat him in a primary. Well, you know, that will be huge drama within the Republican primary if ultimately that comes to pass. But again, that is a huge, huge yeah. You know, with the former president's age, I mean, let's let's be honest, he's he's getting up there in age and the Republicans for the last two years. I mean, uh, they that one of their attacks against the current president is, you know, his advanced age and signs of his advanced age. It seems like to me that would be difficult for Donald Trump to throw his hat in the race after what we have seen from President Biden and the Republicans pointing it out. Yeah, and we at Insider just published a, a project called Red, White, and Gray, which was a look at the gerontocracy in the United States. And this is something that both parties are experiencing. And the last two presidents of the United States, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, are also the oldest presidents of the United States that we've ever had upon their elections. So, you know, we could be looking at potentially a rerun of the election from 2020 with those two oldest presidents with candidates who are four years older than that period of time. So there's going to be a big question for both parties as to, do we really want this situation? Is there somebody waiting in the wings who would be a better representative of our party, of the political priorities that we have, would bring more energy to it? You know, on the Democratic side, there's lots of clamoring for, if not Kamala Harris as vice president, Pete Buttigieg, or various other candidates who might be able to step into that role and be compelling candidates. And on the Republican side, absolutely. You know, Ron DeSantis is top of that list. You could look at Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, Nikki Haley, uh, you know, Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota. You could go on and on. And if Donald Trump decides not to run, you can fully expect that there will be lots of Gen X candidates running and potentially millennial candidates running even too for president of the United States because there is a pretty deep bench there. You know, I, I would like to know your take on this from what you're seeing, from what you're hearing. Uh, after midterms, do you think there's going to be more of a call from the Democrat Party to Joe Biden to say, you know, hey, maybe you serve this term out and let someone else run for election in 2024? Well, there already is. And there are certain Democrats who would like to see somebody else other than Joe Biden run and that, that would like that would like him to be a one term president and would like another Democrat to win after him. I think that the most important person to watch in all of this and the decision that Joe Biden will make, and Joe Biden said as recently as a couple of days ago that he fully intends to run. He hasn't 100 percent made a decision, but that is his intention to run for a second term. But the most important person here is not Joe, J-O-E Biden. It is Jill Biden, J-I-L-L, the first lady. And we've seen this throughout history. Uh, some of my colleagues have done some excellent reporting on this. And she in the past has basically vetoed Joe Biden running for president of the United States at earlier periods in time. And if Jill doesn't want to do this, then the likelihood here is that Joe will not do this. Now, again, that decision has not been made. Nothing has been formalized. It will probably be at least several months before that decision does get made. We're probably looking at early 2023. But, yeah, I don't think anything is a foregone conclusion. Nobody can take anything to the bank at this point. Uh, but we do know almost certainly that if Joe Biden does decide to run for a second term, 
it would be unlikely for there to emerge any serious Democratic Party challenger to him in a primary running against a sitting president. Uh, that That's probably just not something that is at all in the cards. Dave, my final thing I have to bring up, you know, this week I learned how a prime minister is put into power. I did, I did, not, re- <laughs> I did not realize they weren't elected. Um, but uh, Liz Truss is resigning. She's stepping down after 40-some days. And one of the people that could replace her is Boris Johnson. Coming back again, yeah. I mean, he's kind of pulling a Donald Trump in very uh, short order here. You want to go back to Buffalo's own Grover Cleveland. Uh, and, and, hey, look, that, that's not something that is without precedent in uh, the history of the United Kingdom. There have been other prime ministers who have served, and then they didn't, and then they were back again. Um, the one everyone would know by name would be Winston Churchill. So it's a very different system in, in many material regards. But, yeah, this has been just a incredible change of events and just uh, wild turbulence. Let's remember why Boris Johnson uh, is not there in the first place because of myriad scandals and uh, just a lack of support in his own party. But without getting into uh, all of the tawdry details of how the uh, British political system works, it, it does seem relatively unlikely that he's going to get at least enough initial support for him to get propelled right back in. And there are several other um, potential candidates who, in this kind of intramural affair that they have uh, to name the leader of the party who becomes prime minister, that uh, there are other options here and very viable options to that, Joe. Dave, as always, thank you for joining. And thanks for taking time out of your vacation to join me. Uh, Really appreciate it. Safe travels back to D.C. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great day. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.